you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 71 of the Band of Rancher Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, the Celtics went 2-1 and one last week. They're currently 41-18. and 18. They're three and a half games up on the Miami Heat, five games up on the Philadelphia 76ers for the third and fourth seed. Um, yeah, the third and fourth seed. And I haven't even checked the Pacers because I feel like the Pacers is even further away than we all were thinking, predicting, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and also currently the Celtics are a half game behind the Toronto Raptors for that two seed. To me, the very, 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 very important two seed in hopes that the Boston Celtics can make it to the NBA Finals. Uh, the Raptors lost last night, if you're listening on Monday, uh, to the Denver Nuggets on the road. Uh, looks like, so according to tankathon.com, you know, website that I trust, uh, the Celtics have the 17th toughest remaining schedule with the Toronto Raptors having the 15th toughest schedule. So keep an eye out on that. Anyways, big month. The month of March is going to make a break where the Celtics succeed in the playoffs, in my opinion. They they have 15 games in the month of March, seven games at home, eight games on the road. They got three back-to-backs, including one this week against the uh, Brooklyn Nets and the Cleveland Cavaliers, and then they play the Bucks and the Wizards, and then the Raptors and the Nets uh, later on in the month. So they play eight playoff teams this month. So that's a good thing because then you can really test themselves. And then obviously the two biggest games is Thursday, March 12th in Milwaukee, the first night of a back-to-back, like I just mentioned, before they have to go on the road. Uh, I'm sorry, not on the road. Come back to Boston to play the Washington Wizards. Yes, another road game against the Bucks. I think the Bucks are coming here again in April, like the last Sunday of the regular season, the Bucks are coming here. Obviously it won't be a, an important game. Giannis will probably be resting uh, because at that point they'll probably clinch home court probably by next week, uh, the way that the Milwaukee Bucks are playing as of late. So, and then the most important game, like put it on your calendar right now, Friday, March 20th, 7.30, the Celtics go to Toronto. Huge, huge, huge game. I cannot stress this enough. So that's why I'm telling you three weeks in advance. That Friday night game in Toronto will decide who is going to get the two seed. Here's why. Number one, if the Celtics split the season series with them, it will be two and two. Right now, the Celtics are leading the series, the season series two to one. So if they win that game, and then the Raptors and the Celtics end with the same exact record, guess what? The Celtics will have the two seed. If they have a split, then it goes by division. 
how many wins are in the division, and then it goes by how many wins are in the conference, and it just gets a little dark, and I don't want to talk about it. So, Friday, March 20th, 7.30 p.m., mark it on your calendar, a must-win game by the Boston Celtics. Now, who knows? Maybe the Celtics go on like a 10-game winning streak and the Raptors lose, you know, the next four out of six games, then they're three and a half games up on them, and then obviously that game doesn't mean squat. But in this moment right now, that game's huge. Got it? Good. Great. All right, so last week's games, the Celtics get back-to-back wins on the road on their West Coast trip against the Blazers and the Jazz, 118-106 to and 114-103. And then they lose to the Houston Rockets in overtime, 111 to 110. And speaking of that Rockets game, let's get right into stud and dud of the week. Hit the music. And now it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, this week's stud and dud of the week, of course, is Jason Tatum. 36 points with a career-high eight three-pointers made against the Portland Trailblazers last Tuesday. And then he had 33 points, 11 rebounds versus the Jazz, and then 32 points, 13 boards, and five assists against the Houston Rockets. Got it? Good. Okay, great. The dud of the week is the team of the Boston Celtics. The team, the entire team in the second half of the Houston Rockets game. What was that? That that wasn't Brad Stevens. That wasn't Boston Celtics basketball. I am still absolutely, positively, through the roof, furious about that. Now, hey man, why are you overreacting? You know, they didn't have Kemba. You know, and, and, and it was a good game. You know, blah, 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 blah. Shut up. Shut up. There was so much iso ball. So much iso ball. That's all that they did. Iso, 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 iso. Why do ball movement? Why, you know, make the Rockets actually work on defense? Instead, they just threw their physicality at you and you couldn't handle it. That is a... Iso ball is a gift and a curse. Two minutes to go in the fourth quarter, fine. Run your iso ball. But eight minutes to go in the third quarter, what the fuck are you doing? Seriously, in plain English, it is absolutely unbelievable. Now, I think part of this iso ball is the growth and jump and leap into stardom that Jason Tatum is taking. Because now everyone thinks that Jason Tatum can break anyone down in iso. I get it. It's fun. It's fine. But it's the gift and the curse. Because the Rockets threw every single person on them. Here's the thing. So when you play, for example, uh, let's say the the Nets, you know, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, March 3rd, happy birthday to my sister, by the way, um, you can, when, when they put, you know, Jared Allen in a pick and roll, Tatum's going to destroy Jared Allen. We all know that. Like Tatum will, if JaVel McGee went against the Lakers game, he's going to destroy him. If it's against, you know... Caruso on the Lakers, he's going to destroy him. Or CJ McCollum on the Blazers, he's going to destroy him, etc., etc. But not the Houston Rockets with their small ball. Covington, great defender. P.J. Tucker, great defender. Russell Westbrook, pretty good defender. Daniel House Jr., eh, debatable. And Harden, 
Harden actually played some unbelievable defense and actually held Tatum to 0-4 shooting every single time he guarded him. So everything that they threw at him, it didn't work. So Tatum couldn't beat everyone. So that right there with the iso ball issue, that that's he hated their physicality. So that's a big issue right there. Then there was no effort. None. Zip, nada, squat. So many second chance points. So many offensive rebounds. Sure, the Celtics had more offensive rebounds overall in the game. and But it, it literally felt like in that third and fourth quarter, the Houston Rockets had 48.2 million offensive rebounds. There was no effort. None. Zip. Did you guys see the effort from the Celtics in the first half? Passing lanes. Like, every single time the Rockets decided to be lazy, the Celtics capitalized on it. And that's why they got that big lead. They were up 16 points with 8 minutes to go in the second quarter. And they were down 3 at the end of the third. No effort. Zero. None. It's so infuriating. And then the bench. Oh my god, the bench. 4 points. 1, 2, 3, 4. That's all that they scored. 4 freaking points. Someone has to step up in the second half for this team before the final eight minutes of the game. In all honesty, when Tatum goes out or Brown goes out or Gordon goes out, like if two out of those three guys go out with three minutes to go in the in the third quarter, you're not going to see him again until about, what, nine minutes to go in the fourth. Those three to five minutes are putrid. They're panic attack city. So... Ugh. the bench has to step up. And we could all say, oh, well, you know, the bench scoring is going to change once Kemba comes back. Is Kemba going to come back? Do you feel confident right now that Kemba's going to come back? Because I haven't seen him since the All-Star break. The last time I saw Kemba Walker play a basketball game that was meaningful was on Thursday. Yeah, Thursday, February 13th. And guess what? Today's March 2nd. Think about that. That's scary. And when, when's Kemba going to come back? Do you play him against the Nets? I don't know. Do you play him against the Cavs? I don't know. Do you play him against the Jazz? God, I hope so. And then day off, and then you play him against the Thunder, and what, you give him the day off against the Pacers because it seems like the Pacers are just crumbling? <sighs> Anyways, that was your sudden doubt of the week. Let's recap some of the games, shall we? The Blazers game was a nice, solid win, I thought. You know, another classic start for the Celtics. They were down 7-0 really quickly. And just looked flat. And, you know, can you blame them? They're on the West Coast. They're on a West Coast road trip. And then, thankfully, the the Celtics realized that the Blazers' pick-and-roll defense was like looking at Ennis Cantor right in the face. And it sucked. And they took the lead. And the Celtics started hitting a lot of three-pointers off that pick-and-roll because Hassan Whiteside couldn't hedge for the life of him. So that just led to open three-pointers. And the Celtics were 11 of 22 from three at... At the, at the end of the first half. Sorry, I'm still angry about the Rockets that, like, I am i can't even speak English. Um, in the third quarter, the Celtics did exactly what you thought they would. They got the lead up to 15, Tatum and Brown at the end of the third quarter. Each had 22 points, and it was, it was awesome. I absolutely loved it. Uh, the fourth quarter, Jason Tatum came out before he scored 11 points, sat down for a few minutes. You're like, ha-ha, <laughs> uh, that's right, Jason Tatum's going to get some rest because we got a game the next night against the Utah Jazz, and oh my God, look, the bench is blowing it. <sighs> Do you remember how good the bench was, like, you know, in 
like the last week of January, the first week of February. Oh, God, it was such a wonderful thing to see. But, nope, they just sucked again, and then Tatum had to come back in and, you know, finish it off, and, you know, he did it. So, you know, props to him. But then the, the Utah Jazz game, that game was a lot of fun. That game was just a lot of fun. First off, let me just say that I love Donovan Mitchell. What a fun player to watch. I don't know if he's on my Bradley Beal, Jimmy Butler, Lou Williams level, but he's definitely getting there. He is just a kid that loves to play basketball. His energy, the chip that he has on his shoulder, even though you know he's a legit superstar in the league. It's fascinating. Now... To start this game, the Utah Jazz did their best impression of the Boston Celtics, and they shot 27% from the floor in the first quarter. You know, classic Celtics first quarter, right? But this time, the Celtics were actually, like, shooting the ball well and playing well. So the Celtics were up eight, but only ended the first half up, like, two, I think, because of Donovan Mitchell. I mean, Ennis Cantor sucks on pick-and-roll defense. We all, like us Celtics fans, and probably Portland, Portland Trailblazers fans, know these things. Uh, Donovan Mitchell wanted to show the world because this was a nationally televised game and he wanted to show everyone that. And he finished the second quarter with 22 points. 22 points. He literally helped the Jazz go on a 17-3 run. Gross. Like, what the heck? No, we, Tatum and Mitchell were just going back and forth, back and forth. I mean, it was it was pretty cool to watch. So watch the two of them just... Bucket after bucket after bucket. It was it was pretty cool. And it even continued in the third quarter. Both of them ended with 30 points going into the fourth quarter. You know, that was it was pretty cool. And <clears throat> when Tatum did sit down in that third quarter, like he usually does with probably about four or five minutes to go, Jalen Brown took over. And I don't think people have realized how solid Jalen Brown has been during this Tatum run. You know, Jalen has been huge whenever Tatum goes to the bench like when Tatum goes to the bench and he's feeling it you're like oh boy who's gonna step up because you know Gordon Hayward you know sure he can get you 16 18 a night but who's the guy that's gonna get you 20 plus and it's been Jalen Brown Jalen Brown has been really really good over basically since the all-star break you know maybe a bad game here or there but overall defensively and trusting with the points it's been it's been Jalen Brown and it's been great. It really, really has. Like, sure, Marcus Smart has, you know, had some nice little games, and sometimes he gets a little hot. And it's really cool to watch, blah, 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 blah. But Jalen Brown, fire and ice, has been huge during this nice run since the All-Star break. You know, it's pretty crazy to think that with how high all of us are on the Celtics, since the All-Star break, they're only 3-2. and two. Think about that. They beat the... Timberwolves, they lost to the Lakers, they beat the Trailblazers, they beat the Jazz, they lost to the Rockets. They're only 3-2. and two. And I'm telling you, folks, this, these non-playoff games that they have in March, they better win. Like, the Cavs, the Wizards, the Knicks, the Grizzlies, the Wizards, the Bulls, the, the Timberwolves, they and the Portland Trailblazers. They better beat them all. And then you look at some of the other teams, like, they play the Nets twice. The Nets are the eighth seed. You should you should beat them. There's no Kyrie left. You should beat them. Uh, but anyways, back to the Jazz game real quick. Um, one thing that was pretty crazy uh, in the fourth quarter to start it off early, Marcus Smart hit three consecutive three pointers on three consecutive possessions to really push the lead to double digits. And then after that, the Celtics' offense was just too good and too strong to keep up with the uh, for the Jazz to keep up with. 
and it, I I was really looking forward to this game. I thought it lived up to the hype until about you know until Marcus Smart hit those three three pointers in a row. I thought it was a really fun game, fun atmosphere. You know, happy for Gordon Hayward, happy for Ennis Cantor to get wins in Utah when every single time they touch the ball, um, <laughs> they got booed. Like, pretty good. So props to the Jazz fan for staying consistent. But when we talk about Marcus Smart shooting three-pointers, <clears throat> and then you think about the Rockets game, <clears throat> why <clears throat> don't break the microphone? Why is Marcus Smart taking 15 fucking three-pointers in one game? Tell me why. Like, it's a Backstreet Boys song. Like, 15 three-pointers. I'm literally grabbing my microphone, like, trying to suffocate the goddamn thing. 15 three-pointers by Marcus Smart. We all love Marcus Smart, guys. He makes winning plays. I mean, 26 points, 7 assists, 4 steals. We get it. But Tatum Brown... Fire and ice. Your two best scorers over the past like six weeks, if not longer, took a combined 18 threes. Two players took a combined 18 threes. Two very good players took a combined 18 threes. Marcus Smart took 15 three-pointers. Like James Harden would be jealous at those numbers. 15 three-pointers. Why? 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 Now, is that the reason why they lost? No, but it's stupid. I'll tell you that right now. Marcus Smart taking 15 three-pointers. All right. The first half of this game for the Celtics was unreal. They were great. They put so much effort into the game. They were so active on defense. It, it, it wore them out. They had no legs under them in the second half. You could notice it. You really and truly could. So much that in the second half, they looked basically dead. They allowed the Rockets to go 7 of 13. From three and one quarter. The Rockets as a team took 15 three-pointers. The Rockets as a team took 15 three-pointers in the third quarter, and they made seven of them. Marcus Smart took 15 all game. He averaged like four three-pointers a quarter. (laughs) Unbelievable. Speaking of unbelievable, Gordon Hayward's confidence. That needs to come back immediately. Like, right now. Hey, like, hey, Gordon, you ready? Confidence comes back now. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Uh, you know, Gordon had a fine game. 18 points, 6 boards, 4 assists, 3 steals, 50% shooting from the field. <laughs> it's not his fault. But Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, if you pass up another wide-open shot, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose my mind. I don't know what's driving me more crazy. Marcus Smart just going, Wee! when it comes to three-point shots, or Gordon Hayward going, nah. I'm good. And dish off a wide open look. <sighs> he passes up so many times. And I get it. He's a team player. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just still so angry about this Rockets game. The thing that I think made me the most angry, minus the lack of effort and the amount of ISO ball that the Celtics had that I mentioned in the sudden dud of the week earlier in the podcast, is the fact that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were so bad to end the first half. I mean, they finished 8 of 22 combined in the first half. Not ideal. But they flat out, like, shit themselves in at the end of the second quarter. I mean, I swear to God, they got too excited for the moment. They acted like they've never been there before. Their defense was meh. Their shot selection was bleh. 
like vomit city. It was bad, like real bad. Like they were forcing shots, trying to do too many things. They weren't themselves. And it helped the Rockets get back into the game. It really and truly did. Because like I said, the Celtics were up like 16. Yeah, it was like 16 points with eight and a half, maybe eight minutes to go in the second quarter. And the Rockets just chipped and chipped and chipped and got it to six. Absolutely unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And then, you know, you're up 30. You know, up 30. You're up one with 30 seconds left in overtime. And then six seconds later, James Harden's at the free throw line. Oh, so infuriating. Sure, Jalen Brown's shot was really cool. That play was crazy. I have never seen so many successful missed free throw plays to help a team either get into overtime or win a game over the past three or four weeks. Duke did it against North Carolina. They missed a free throw, forced it to go into overtime. Absolutely bananas. And then... Jason Tatum misses the free throw. Jalen Brown goes in. Forced overtime. Absolutely bananas. Now, the only thing that we could talk about with Brad Stevens is he probably told he probably should have told the guys to stop playing so much ISO ball. Because Brad Stevens does deserve a little bit of the blame in this Rockets loss. And the other thing is, he should have called time. I mean, you, we could go back and forth. Should he have called timeout on that final play because they had an extra one, you know, going to overtime? He, I don't know. We could debate about it all day. I'm sure Brad Stevens would have had a nice ATO, but at the same time, he felt like they had good matchups set up, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. So the bench sucked. Tatum and Brown, even though they had solid games, they just sucked with the final five minutes of the first quarter. I mean, uh, the first half. Marcus Smart taking a gazillion threes, the effort. Gordon Hayward not being as confident. There's plenty of things to like blame, but I really think at the end of the day, it was the lack of effort and how dead the Celtics looked in the second half. For real. It was it was pretty crazy. All right, let's preview the upcoming week for the Boston Celtics. You know, obviously will Kemba Walker be back? Which games will be will he be back for? Do you need him against the Brooklyn Nets? Do you need him against the Cleveland Cavaliers over these next couple games? I don't think so. So if he wants to come back Friday against the Utah Jazz, that means he would lit the last game that he played was on February 16th. So you go 16th, 29th, 13th. He'd literally have like 18 to 19 days off to fix the knee that they drained some liquid out of. Obviously, it's a little scary, but I mean, 19 days off, I think that's enough. Because then you look at it and you go, okay, play against the Jazz, play against the Thunder, play against the Pacers, play against the Bucks. Then we'll give you the weekend off against the Wizards and the Bulls. And then you get two days off of that, come back, play some of the Knicks game, have a day off, and then you got back-to-back games against the Raptors and the Nets. So I feel like Kemba can come in and out. It's just, here's the thing. I, I just don't want Kemba Walker to just not be in rhythm come the playoff times. Like, in April, you got the Heat, the Magic, the Bucks, the Pacers, the Magic, the Heat, the Pistons, the Bulls. I want Kemba to play four or five games in a row together with the team so they can all be in rhythm. They all, because right now, you don't even think about Kemba Walker because you're like, holy crap, this team can do it without Kemba Walker. You know, just like the team did it without Kyrie Irving the first year Kyrie Irving was here and they made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals and lost in seven games against the Cleveland Cavaliers. So 
I want Kemba to be back. I want him to be completely healthy and fine. For real. I really and truly want that. I need it. I have to have it. Okay? So, don't rush it. But just, you know, just just get him back sooner rather than later. All right? Thanks. Really appreciate that. Okay. So, the three game, uh, the the four games this week. The Celtics have three games at home. So, that's huge. And then one game on the road. Which, again... Is also nice because it's only in Brooklyn. So the three home games this week are Tuesday night against the Nets, seven thirty, TNT. Friday night against the Utah Jazz at eight o'clock. I believe it's an ESPN game, and then Sunday six p.m. against the Oklahoma City Thunder, which I believe is actually an NBA TV game. And then there the one road game against Cleveland Cavaliers, second night of a back to back. I know I just said the one road games in Brooklyn. I meant Cleveland. Get over it. All right. So the next. The Nets game. Let's break that down a little bit. 7.30 on TNT on Tuesday night. No Kyrie Irving. Thank God. We don't have to talk about it. Not everyone has to show up. I'm sure there's going to be some, you know, FU Kyrie chance. Cool. Congratulations, everyone. Get over it. Um, the Nets are heading into this game on a four-game losing streak. They lost to the Hawks. They've lost to the Wizards. So they're not in a great place. So the Celtics need to take full advantage of that. And this game, to me, is pretty simple. Get back to Celtics basketball. Move the ball around. A lot of passing, a lot of ball movement, a lot of teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. Cut the ISO shit out, and we'll be good. Don't let Joe Harris get hot from three. Uh, their last game when they almost beat the Miami Heat, uh, Joe Harris went 5-9 of nine from three. I don't want to see that. And then control Levert and Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie and Levert are those type of guys that can go off for 30 points completely randomly, or they can have 10 points. So just control them. They're going to get theirs, but just don't let them take over the game. That will be very important. And then obviously, uh, Ennis Cantor and Daniel Tice, they need to be physical and rebound the ball well against Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. This team, Atkinson, the head coach of the uh, Brooklyn Nets, is he gets the best out of his players. He really and truly does. He's a great coach. I mean, look at the Brooklyn Nets last year, no one thought the Brooklyn Nets were going to play that well. No one thought D'Angelo Russell was going to be that good, et cetera, et cetera. So this isn't going to be an easy game, but the Nets are not playing good basketball. The Celtics are playing pretty good basketball. I mean, you know, I mentioned the Celtics go 3-2 and two since the All-Star break. Those two losses are combined three points. <laughs> Absolutely crazy against two of the best teams in the Western Conference. But no one likes like, wee, cool, great effort losses but you know they're three and two but you could beat the Brooklyn Nets easily obviously in division opponent they know you like the back of their hand so it will be a little challenging but it should be a nice easy win for the Boston Celtics and then Wednesday night the second night of a back-to-back at 7 p.m. in Cleveland the Cavs currently have the second worst record in the league but they've had some nice wins since the all-star break they've beaten the Miami Heat they've beaten the Philadelphia 76ers so I guess we can say Thank you, Cleveland Cavaliers. We appreciate that. Um, I I want the Celtics to go into this game knowing, yes, it's not only the second night of a back-to-back, but it's it's not going to be easy. I mean, hopefully we get to see the Time Lord in this game who has cleared to play, and but he's going to be on a minute restriction for a little bit. Hopefully by mid-March he'll be wide open. He can play whenever. He was able to play in the Rockets game, but you know it just didn't work out matchup-wise. Brad had to stick with the small ball lineup. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some Time Lord uh, in the Nets game, but he definitely should be playing in this Cavs game 1,000%. They have Andre Drummond. 
They have Tristan Thompson. They have Kevin Love. And all three of those guys love to rebound the basketball. And the Celtics have been a pretty good rebounding team as of late, before the All-Star break, after the All-Star break. So as long as they can keep up with that team, like, gang rebounding, they're going to be fine. But Thompson might not play because he's been out day-to-day with, like, a knee injury. Obviously, if he comes back, obviously, you know, that's just more effort that has to be done on the rebounding end. If not, use and abuse Andre Drummond, especially on defense. Tire him out. He won't rebound anymore, and that will be great. Uh, Since the All-Star break for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Kevin Porter Jr., I think he got drafted a couple spots after Romeo Langford or a couple spots before. It was like somewhere in right near Romeo Langford. I think it was after, if I remember right. I could also be completely wrong. Um, but anyways, he's been playing very well since the All-Star break, and he's a big factor for them off the bench. You know, if Romeo isn't going to score, then Romeo might as well come off the bench and play some good defense because he played some reasonable defense on James Harden off the bench. It's just he can't score. And if everyone's going to be, you know, like, hey, Romeo Langford, you know, he'll learn. He'll learn how to score down the road. Cool. I'd prefer if he could learn how to score right now if he was worth a lottery pick. You know? But anyways, um, the Celtics are averaging 23 assists a game, which is 24th worst in the league. See, I'm telling you this iso ball stuff, it, it's, it hasn't been good for the Celtics. I mean, sure, they're winning games. Tatum's been out of their mind. We can all be, like, really happy about it. But, like, if you look at the numbers on when the Celtics went on that really hot uh, winning streak to start the season, when they won, what was it, like 10 or 11 games in a row? Maybe even more. I forget off the top of my head. Literally, November seems like it was 22 years ago at this point. But they were passing the ball. They were top five, probably in assists per game, and now they're 24th. And the, the team who's right below them, the Cleveland Cavaliers. So they play a lot of iso ball too. But the positive about that is if they're going to play a lot of iso ball, the Celtics have the fourth best defense in the league. So use that fourth best defense in the league and beat the Cleveland Cavaliers for me. All right? Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, um, Let's break down the Jazz and Thunders game because the Jazz and Thunder games are going to be important. These are two very tough playoff teams. And when you actually look at the strength of schedule for the Celtics, and the Raptors, because I'm going to be obsessing over the Raptors over the next few weeks because the Raptors are very good, and I want that two seed so bad because you want to know why? The Celtics have won once in Toronto in the last seven years. Okay? Seven years, they've won one time. Jalen Brown, and if you guys remember Christmas Day, Jalen Brown's like, I've never won here. I've never won here. I want to win here. Guys, you have to have home court advantage if you move on to the second round. If you play the Toronto Raptors, you have to because because the Raptors are good enough to beat you at home. But are you good enough to beat them at home? Which because you've only done it once in seven years. Think about it. All right. So, you know, you look at the strength schedule for the Raptors. They got the Bucks twice, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Nuggets and the Rockets. Those are like their toughest six games remaining. And the Celtics have two games against the Bucks, one game against the Raptors, two games against the Heat and the Utah Jazz, and I'm sure right after that would be the Oklahoma City Thunder as well. So keep so these two games are very, very important. For the Jazz, Friday night, 8 p.m. at TD Garden on ESPN. It will be the first night of a back-to-back for the Utah Jazz. They're going to go to, uh, oh, God, they're going to play the Pistons afterwards. So they're going to waste all their energy on this one because the Pistons suck. So 
you all you got to do is do exactly what you did last week. You're a better offensive team, so hit, so if you're hitting your shots, the Jazz stand no chance. Quinn Snyder is obviously going to give Ingles and Bogdanovich a lot more open looks because the two of them combined were 2 of 11 from the floor last week from the Celtics. So expect Ingles and Bogdanovich to get a lot more open shots, not in the ISO game, but they're going to come off screens and they're going to catch and shoot and they're going to let them fly. So the Celtics have to be prepared for that because Quinn Snyder is good of a coach to make those type of changes and make those things happen. Tyson Cantor have to also do a really good job on Rudy Gobert. He had single-digit points and single-digit rebounds in that game. He had nine points, nine rebounds. So Cantor and Tice need to do a great job on Rudy Gobert again because I felt like both of those guys took Rudy Gobert out of the game, and that helped them a great deal. And speaking about Ennis Cantor, let's do our Cantor banter because we haven't done it yet. Let's go. He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Cantor Banter, baby. Wow! Okay, yeah, that was only 12 seconds long because Ennis Cantor didn't play in the Rockets game. He only played in two games. What a world. And then finally, you got to control Donovan Mitchell. Don't let him go off for another 35 point. I think he scored 35 points because Tatum only had 33 and he scored more than Tatum. Maybe he had 37 points. Either way, he scored more than 30 points. Keep him 25, 26 points. That way, excuse me, um, he's not dominating in any way, shape, or form. Make that happen. Control Mitchell. Control Gobert. Watch out for Ingles and Bogdanovich getting a lot more open looks. And I think the Celtics will be good in this one. Then the Thunder game. This is the one that I'm nervous the most about just because the last time these two teams played, the uh, Celtics won 112 to 111. It was um, the Sunday before the All-Star break. It was that 3.30 afternoon game on ABC. Um, Will Kemba Walker play? That's going to be super important. You know, Kemba Walker led the team. He had 27 points in this game. He saved the Celtics in the second quarter. I mean, the Celtics were down double digits in the second quarter. Kemba came back and you know, I think the Celtics were down nine at halftime, and that's because Kemba helped out. It could have been a lot worse. It could have been a really bad road loss because of how flat and the Celtics came out. It was really bad. And then, you know, you obviously want Kemba out there that can kind of control CP3. You know, Chris Paul was solid in this game a couple weeks ago. He had 22 points, five assists, and the Celtics need to stay on their feet because every single time Chris Paul went up for a shot fake, Every single Celtics defender tried to jump out of the like out of the building to try and block his shot. He's a little bit shorter. Stay on your feet. Keep your hands up. Let's go. You're going to be at home, so maybe you'll get some favorable calls. And by the way, I'm really proud of myself for not talking about the referees because I thought the refs were fine in that Rockets game, but those flagrant foul calls on Westbrook and uh, Jason Tatum, NBA soft. NBA is so soft. Uh, but anyways, but yeah, so the Celtics were down nine going into the second half against the Thunder, and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown obviously had huge third quarters, and I think they got, I think they, it was tied up going into the fourth quarter, or yeah, I think it was tied, and then they just went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and the Celtics were able to win by one. But one thing that we need to look at here is the Celtics can't be lazy with the basketball. 
I feel like the Celtics since the All-Star break have done a good job taking care of the basketball, and that has to continue because in this game a couple weeks ago, the Celtics had nine turnovers, the uh, the Trailblazers, the Thunder had ten turnovers. So don't be lazy with the ball. Obviously, if you can force more turnovers, you know, when you look at the amount of turnovers the Celtics forced in the fir- in the first half of the Rockets game, yeah, I'm still going back to the Rockets game. Get over it. Compared to what they did in the second half, if they can kind of even that out throughout the entire game, they could force 15 turnovers a game. 1,000%. I'm not concerned about that in any single way, shape, or form. They can do it. I know they can. So keep that in mind. Uh, I think that's, yeah, I think that's it. Now that I think about it, looking back at my notes, yeah, yeah, that's it. Four games this week. You know, next week's going to be important. Two road games against the Pacers and the Bucks. I'll obviously preview that on episode 72 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, whether that's on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. I really appreciate all the support. And uh, you can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. You can always email me at BannerBanterPodcast gmail.com if you have any thoughts, concerns, and or recipes. Um, also, just want to give a shout out to my Uncle Bernie who passed away last week. He was a great guy. Loved his cauliflower nose. Hell of an American. Rest in peace to him, and my thoughts go out to my Aunt Anne Marie and her entire family about the loss. And tomorrow is my sister's birthday. She'll be, it's her Larry Bird year, so hopefully it's a great one. Love you, Brit. And that's it. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Oh, and one other thing. If you're into NASCAR, and I'm going to assume you're not into NASCAR because most people are not, I also have a NASCAR podcast, the Wicked Fast Podcast. Check it out on iTunes. Subscribe. Leave a rating. And you can do the same for the Banner Banter Podcast. Subscribe. Leave a rating, etc., etc. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you guys soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.